0: Welcome to the Royal Christian Centre Sermon Podcast. Just to explain, especially maybe if you're, you're newer and you wonder what happens next, very simple, we're going to share something together from the Word of God from the Bible and we're going to trust that God will take the words and for every one of us speak into our lives something that we need. And then we're going to share together, uh, obeying the command of Jesus, a communion remembrance meal. It's bread representing the body of Jesus and wine representing the the blood of Jesus. And that's in obedience to what Jesus commanded us. But today, tonight, is slightly different maybe in that it will give us a chance to kind of respond to what God might speak to us. So it's a two-way thing that's going on. We're trusting God's going to speak to us. But when God speaks, he always looks for a result. God speaks and things happen. And in his patience, God chooses sometimes to speak very gently into our lives. But the gentleness of God's voice doesn't mean that he's any less interested in change happening in us. God still looks for something to happen in us when he speaks to us. We're listening on God. We're, we're discussing, studying on a whole range of words you could use. The subject of, of prophecy and the way that God speaks to people. We've looked at different books of the Bible and we've looked at the book of Daniel and things that have happened in the Old Testament and tonight we're looking at how prophecy works with regard to discipline. So by way of recap, I'm going to start with a couple of questions. I think questions are good, aren't they, sometimes? Uh, I'm going to start with the question, what is prophecy? And I'm going to be very simple because I'm very simple. I'm very, very simply... Prophecy is God communicating to human beings, and we see throughout all of the Bible's history that God has always been passionately interested in, to spe- in speaking to people. Right from the very, very word go, when there were only two people and Him, God was speaking to them. Up to the present day, God is interested in speaking to us. We've recently been doing a lot of kind of training and working with other churches to try and get an understanding of of how we should be growing and what we should be doing as a church and over this last couple of years we've been going to these different training events and the very very first one we were challenged when we went there because somebody at the front asked a question do you hear from god and obviously because we were the leadership team of the church obviously yes of course we do yes And they said, Do you hear from God every day? And I said, Oh, obviously not, no, but and then I realised that was the wrong answer. And what they said was, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to expect to hear from God every day. Because God surely is speaking to you every day. If you're not hearing, it's generally because you're not listening. So that was a little bit of a I learned then, don't ever jump quick to say the answers, what you think is right. Sometimes you end up with egg on your face. Prophecy then is God speaking to his people. And quite often we get this this picture of a prophet that will stand up and make a proclamation and say, this is the word of the Lord. And often that is what happens in scripture. And sometimes it's what happens today. But I'm particularly going to focus on how... The gift of prophecy works in a church congregation just like this. And I'm particularly going to focus on one Bible verse. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. What shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that church may be built up. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later on. But that is the the main verse I want us to keep in our minds because it says in there, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you, it doesn't say one or two and everyone else is in the audience watching. It doesn't say one or two are special and everyone else is a little bit down the ladder so you don't have any role or any part to play. It encourages each of you, each of us, to have something to share that will build up everyone else. Earlier on in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, The Apostle Paul, and it's worth looking at the whole chapter. We're not going to do that now, but it's worth looking at that to get an overview of what Paul was trying to teach people about hearing and speaking God's word. But he highlighted the differences and the reasons for different spiritual gifts. How in the church, we sometimes have the experience where somebody will give a message of speaking in tongues. And No one can understand what they're saying, so someone else will stand up and give an interpretation of that message. Why does God do it that way? Because God is God, and sometimes he just chooses to do things his way. It's certainly one way of getting our attention because it's unusual and out of the ordinary, so it certainly grabs our attention. But God is God, and he chooses to do things how he chooses to do things. Other times, however, God speaks through the gift of prophecy. often the gift of prophecy will be a word of encouragement it will be God giving a message to us that we need to hear to be encouraged to keep going sometimes it will be a word of instruction something new we weren't aware of a direction that we hadn't appreciated and sometimes it will be something big huge that maybe a church or a person or an individual needs to change direction God does things God's way. I'm going to jump in the scripture, sorry soul, to a story in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 to 30. On this occasion, the church in Antioch, which was a vibrant growing church, it was a new church. And this church had grown up because of the persecution of believers in Jerusalem. And as a result of this persecution, most of the followers of Jesus had fled Jerusalem and scattered all over the whole Middle East region. And a large number of them had ended up settling in Antioch. And when they got there, they couldn't stop talking about how great Jesus was. So even though, I guess, they'd lost their homes, they were, in effect, refugees landing in a, a foreign land. Even though that was the case, they started to share about how great God was, about what Jesus had done in their lives, about the change that he'd made, the peace that he'd given them, despite their circumstances. And God worked, and people responded and said, yeah, we want to know more about this, Jesus. And before you knew it, this new church community had grown up. This was the first place that followers of Jesus were called Christians. Up until then they'd been called the the Way or Disciples, but this was the first time they were called Christians. And the church was quite wealthy because they were a whole mix of people that had become followers of Jesus. And the remaining church in Jerusalem was quite poor. And in verse 27, we read this. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judah. This they did sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Simple, practical story of how God spoke something by a man whose job was being a prophet. God spoke the word, the people heard the word, they acted on the word, and change came. In that church, people knew how to give. They they knew that they should be given a tenth of their income as a tithe because that was the teaching, that was what followers of Jesus did. They probably knew about giving an offering, they probably knew about being generous, they knew all those things. But in that particular instance, they needed a targeted message to explain this is the need over and above what you normally do you need to take this extra step at this time to meet this need in this day. It wasn't something they were going to do every day. It wasn't something they were going to do every week. It was just needed then. Prophecy very often is what we call a rema word of God. It's where God is speaking something at a particular moment that fits that moment by contrast although it's just as true just as living and just as real the Bible is universal truth it's always true it's if you like truth for all seasons the word of God that we have in the Bible is our foundation it's our measuring rod if somebody speaks a word in prophecy it's always measured against what we see in scripture and if it's out of line with it then you have to cast out on the, the spoken word as opposed to the written word. I think that's common sense, isn't it? We know that the, the written word of God, the Bible, is a foundation of truth beyond which, if something contradicts it, it's going to be wrong. I mention that because I don't want to give the impression that just because somebody stands up at the front of a church meeting and says, God says that then that has equal authority or equal value to what we read in scripture. So just, that's just a clarifying point. So I hope I've, st- I've given you a simple definition of what prophecy is. A straightforward example of a time in the Bible when prophecy was used by God to change direction. A slightly more modern example, but very, very similar. Just after the communists take over in China, there was an intense period of persecution of Christians throughout China. And during the most difficult time, during the Cultural Revolution years, there was a rural community of believers, not particularly well off because of the persecution they had no connection with other denominations or no way of being linked up with other other churches and so they were kind of on their own and like all communities of believers they were under constant surveillance they would have regular visits of the political police to the to their community and they were farmers money wasn't in regular circulation, so most of what they did was growing food and trade trading food. And they couldn't give a tenth of their income in the way a church normally would, so they paid a tithe by giving it to the poorest people around them. They took a tenth of their income, they set it aside, and then God spoke into them as a community and said, famine is coming, people around you are gonna really suffer. So what they decided to do was to give two tenths of their income. At the point in this book I've read about this, I wasn't there. I wasn't in China in 1948, 1958, believe it or not. Uh, but the, the, the writer of this book happened to be at this commune when the investigators came and the secret police came and they were questioning them. And they were always looking to try and undermine anything that Christians did. And they said, oh, in our programs, we give so much extra help. We give 3% or we give this little bit of extra help to the poor in the area. What do you do? And the pastor said, oh, we give nine-tenths of our food away. And the writer of the book said, when I heard that, I questioned myself and thought, that can't be possible. But he didn't want to undermine him in front of the, the communists. So he waited until they'd gone, and he sort of tugged his sleeve and said, you said to them that you gave away nine-tenths of your food. That can't be right. That's not possible, surely. And the pastor said, we used to tithe the one tenth, but because of our situation, we felt God speaking to us that we should give more. So every year for the last 10 years, we've increased our giving by 10%. It's now nine years since we started, so now we're giving 90%, nine-tenths of our food away, and God is so blessing and honoring that decision, that step of faith, that we still have more than we need, even though we're giving away the nine-tenths. And furthermore, the officials who would look to persecute us can't afford to persecute us now, because if they did, there would be no one else to step in and feed the poor people that they're not able to feed. That's how God deals with the persecution but also deals with the faith and the well-being of his people. The second question I'm going to ask or just put out there as a rhetorical question I'm not looking for you to answer is what is discipleship? Because then the two will fit together very neatly. And the easiest way I can describe discipleship, having thought about it, is as a journey. Every journey has a starting point and a destination. The starting point for a journey of a disciple is when God in some way speaks into your life and you understand that you need Jesus. How God does that will be different from one person to another. It will happen at a different age. We heard Pastor this morning explain that when he was eight, he heard Jesus. I think it was a bit younger than that, actually. Even younger than that. My nan was 74, I think, when she asked Jesus into her life. It doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter what religion you're born into, what culture you're born into. You can grow, you can be born into a so-called Christian family and think that by association, you know Jesus. But you either know Jesus or you don't know Jesus. It doesn't matter about your parents or your grandparents. It's your heart that determines whether you've got a relationship with Jesus or not. At some point, the journey begins when God speaks to you however he chooses to do it, And you say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to take the step of faith. I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to let you do something in my life. And that's the beginning of a journey. It's not the end. Can you remember the story of Peter when Peter was in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water? And he was demonstrating that he's not just an ordinary man, which Peter already kind of knew pretty well. But Jesus is walking towards him on the water. And they're all a bit scared, first of all. They think, what is this? Who is this? And Jesus says, it's me. Don't worry. Don't panic. And Peter says, Lord, if it really is you, tell me to get out of the boat and come and walk to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on then. So Peter, unbelievably, because you've got to admire the man, steps out of the boat and stands on the water. Now that stepping out of the boat was the beginning of a, quite a short journey. I don't think the second step was any easier than the first. I, used to, I thought about this and thought the hardest step must have been getting out, but I don't know because I think once you stand on that water and you're looking at the clear water beneath your feet and the waves and the wind as the scripture says, I think the second step must have been just as hard and possibly the third step was still as hard and in the fourth step he was starting to sink a little bit so that was definitely just as hard I'll tell you what though I bet Peter today has absolutely no problem walking on water because he's with Jesus looking at Jesus face to face and if Jesus says to him now come on Peter let's walk on the water yeah okay Lord I know we do that every day but let's do it again Uh, it's no problem to him now we're still in the just out of the boat stage of our walk with Jesus. And sometimes the steps that we are asked to take, we feel like they're beyond us. Do you ever feel that? That Jesus is asking something of you that you're really struggling to do? Maybe a task. Maybe fixing up a relationship you don't want to fix up. Maybe praying a little bit more than you're comfortable praying. Maybe speaking to someone, that looks a little bit scary. When the very first person who shared Jesus with me, shared Jesus with me, I, I wonder what their thinking was. I, wonder, I don't think they picked me out of the crowd because I looked like I was going to be the easiest person to speak to. The fact that he was about 12 foot 6 probably did help a little bit but I still think he must have come to me because the Holy Spirit prompted him not because I looked like I was going to be ready fruitful ground for him to sow in with my leather jacket and my Mohican and my boots I didn't look like good Christian prospect I don't think but Sometimes when God speaks into us and asks us to do something, we have that stepping out of the boat moment where it's not easy, but we do it. And when we do it, God does beyond what we can imagine. So along the way on our journey that started when God speaks to us, stuff happens. Sometimes great and exciting stuff happens and it encourages us and lifts us up. We have real good highs. We have moments of great excitement, people that we love come to Jesus. Our family starts to change, it's great. We have wonderful times together as as believers and and all these highs are brilliant. Sometimes stuff happens that's not so great. What are the biggest stresses in life? Moving house, getting married, having children, all those normal, difficult family life. But sometimes stuff happens, it's unplanned and not normal. Breakdowns of relationships, bereavements, losing people that we love, tough stuff. These things change us. These things grow us and stretch us and make us into something that we wouldn't otherwise have been. But these things affect everyone. The difference is, when you've started the journey with Jesus, God wants to speak to you when these things happen. I guess the most frustrating thing for God is when he most wants to speak words of love to us and we shut down and don't listen to him. Because God never, ever wants to stop talking to you. But when we don't listen... We miss out. We don't hear, not because he's not speaking, but because we don't listen. So discipleship is a journey. Prophecy is God speaking. The discipleship journey is utterly dependent upon God doing stuff. You cannot disciple yourself. You need two things. The most important thing you need and this is kind of obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway, is the grace and power of God. Without that, nothing changes. Without that, you step out of the boat and you sink like a stone. With that, you step out of the boat and you at least get a good run up before you start to dip and then you maybe need Jesus to lift you out again. But the second thing that we need by God's design and God's plan is each other. And this is where Gifts like the gift of prophecy come into its own. That's scripture that we read before from 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. The things that we say to each other matter. And if we are all listening out to God if you've got a hundred people who every day listen to see what God will say to them and a hundred people who say Lord I'm listening to you and I'm also ready to do what you say every person in that group will have times when they need encouragement and they'll be surrounded by people who are able to give it and do it but more than that God isn't just going to give us words to say to each other because God has put us in a place where we're surrounded by 322,000 people who don't know Jesus or don't follow Jesus or who are somewhere further back in their stepping-out-of-the-boat journey. Maybe they're still in the boat. Maybe they're still on the shore, but they're not as far along as we are And so we can encourage them just by virtue of the fact that we happen to be a little bit further along on the journey than they are at the moment. That's the only difference. We're not any better than anyone else. Just a little bit further along. We use some questions. And if you're in one of our small groups, then you'll be familiar with these questions, I'm guessing. We constantly ask each other two things. And I'm going to ask you these two things now. The first thing is... What is God saying to you? Sometimes we hesitate when that question is asked and we say, Nothing? God's not saying anything to me. Do you read the Bible? Does anyone read the Bible? You really can't, if you're a follower of Jesus, you really can't read the Bible and God not speak to you. I don't mean all the Bible just in one go. I mean read some of the Bible every day. God will constantly speak to you through that. God will speak to you through the people close to you who follow Jesus along the lines of what we're talking about here. And God will speak to you direct. The Bible in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 lists five ministries within church that God has given the church to build the whole church up. Evangelists, teachers, pastors, prophets, and the fifth one I can't remember, it's equally important, but it's on the board behind me. Apostles, that's it. You can forget apostles, obviously me. Not everyone is called to be an evangelist. But everyone is called to be a witness. We've all heard that before, haven't we? Anyone heard that before? You might not be an evangelist, but you are a witness and the time will come when you need to speak about Jesus. Not everyone is called to be a prophet. But we are all expected, when we gather together, to have something... On our hearts from God to encourage others with. It might be something really small. The very, very first time I shared a word that God, you know, when you when, when you're growing as a new believer and you're saying, God, I want I want to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And God had graciously filled me with the Holy Spirit, and I, I spoke in tongues as a prayer language, and I was in a, a prayer meeting, and I was saying, Lord, I, I want to be able to do a bit more I want to be able to be a blessing Lord give me a word to someone And simplest word ever God put on my heart that lady over there I want you to go over and tell her that God loves her simplest thing and this lady had been a Christian for quite a long time and you're thinking like Lord I know I said easy but could I have one that's like easy and not going to embarrass me and like a meeting in front of people and God said no that's, that's the one so I went over and I'm not really used to making people cry if I'm honest uh, but I just said uh, God's put on my heart that, that I need to share or remind you and, I, and you, you know when you start to stutter and you start to try and explain it anyway God loves you and she just started to cry because sometimes you just need to hear it you don't, I don't know why I've got no idea what the circumstances were but that lady at that time needed to hear that word And that's something that all of us can and will do. But there may be times that God starts to stir you to share words that need to be a blessing to the church. I'm going to finish with an interpretation from a Message in Tongues from uh, the 11th of April this year. The reason I've decided to to share this as a reminder was that sometimes we get messages and we we forget them, but it really is an example of the way in which God speaks into a congregation of people. So, because you probably don't remember this particular service, I think it was the 11th of April 2017, morning service, just in case you don't remember it, uh, Joyce and Jan shared a message in tongues and Simeon who's one of our elders here stood up and gave an interpretation to that tongue and this is how we believe God chooses sometimes to speak into the congregation of the church it's time to come in the simplicity of who you are strip away every pretense I know who you are I know you very well just come as you are you have done many things trying to impress with little success why not just come as you are That problem I know, I know the reason, why not leave it with me? Some of you have prayed many times for my power, but your times and purposes were not right. You say it is for my glory, but it cannot be for my purpose if you have not surrendered to me. That was a word that God spoke to the body of the church that was shared by someone in the body of the church to enable us as a congregation to grow, to go further on in our journey. If you'd have asked someone that morning who that word was meant for and whose heart was stirred by it and was encouraged to take a step forward, if you'd have said to them, what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? The two questions they would have had a very different answer maybe to, or not, not much at the moment. But the reality is that tonight, just as much as any other time, God wants to speak to every one of us. So right now, as we move into communion, we're going to think on these questions. I would love that all of us start expecting to hear from God and it could be that there is someone near you that needs a word of encouragement and the time will come maybe tonight, maybe some other time when God puts that word in your heart and you go and you share it boldly with them and they're blessed and lifted up and you're blessed and lifted up because there's nothing quite like being useful to make you feel useful, is there? all those things will happen But the really exciting thing is that whilst this happens in our congregation and we get better at listening and better at obeying, it's only one step further away that God starts doing here what he did in Antioch. We don't need to be a persecuted people to take the step of faith to be where God has put us and wants us to be. We're there. We are where God wants us to be. We're at the place where God wants us to speak truth. We're surrounded by people who need to hear truth. We just need to get better at knowing from God the who and the when. And we need to listen to what God is saying to us.